Second Chronicles 29. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. And in the first month of the first year of his reign, he opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in the priests and the Levites, assembled them in the square on the east side and said, Listen to me, Levites, consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of your fathers. Remove all defilement from the sanctuary. For our fathers were unfaithful. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and forsook him. They turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place and they turned their backs on him. They also shut the doors of the portico and put out the lamps. They did not burn incense or present any burnt offerings at the sanctuary to the God of Israel. And therefore, the anger of the Lord has fallen on Judah and Jerusalem, and he has made them an object of dread and horror and scorn, as you can see with your own eyes. This is why our fathers have fallen by the sword and why our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity. Now, I intend to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that his fierce anger will turn away from us. My sons, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him and to serve him, to minister before him and to burn incense. Turn over to verse 16. The priests went into the sanctuary of the Lord to purify it. They brought out in the courtyard of the Lord's temple everything unclean. And they found in the temple of the Lord, the Levites took it and carried it out to the kindred valley. And they began the consecration of the first day of the first month. And by the eighth day of the month, they reached the portico of the Lord for eight more days. They consecrated the temple of the Lord itself, finishing on the 16th day of the first month. And then they went into King Hezekiah and reported, We have purified the entire temple of the Lord, the altar of the burnt offering, with all its utensils and table settings out for the consecrated bread with all its articles. We have prepared and consecrated all the articles that King Ahaz removed in his unfaithfulness while he was king. And they are now in front of the Lord's altar. Early the next morning, King Hezekiah gathered the city officials together and went up to the temple of the Lord. And they brought seven bulls, seven rams, seven male lambs, seven male goats as a sin offering for the kingdom, for the sanctuary, for Judah. The king commanded the priests, the descendants of Aaron, to offer these on the altar of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for your word as always. We thank you that your word is always true, but more than that, it is always relevant to our lives. If we would just look deeper at it through you, Holy Spirit. And so we ask that you would open the eyes of our heart to see what we need to see this day. More than that, that you would convict us and challenge us. To more. As we sang earlier, you are worthy. In fact, you are worthy than so much more than what so often your people 
give and say and do and just are. Move in us this day. Fall upon us. Help me to speak your words, but Lord, I know that you can work and even speak things beyond anything that I say. If we just listen, you are here. Fall upon us. Holy Spirit, have your way. Melt us, mold us into your image, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. We have been talking for a couple weeks about getting a fresh start with God and getting our spiritual house in order. And we've looked at this passage in 2 Chronicles chapter 29. God wants more than just getting rid of the wrong in our life and making our goal not to be bad persons. Yet there's also more that God is looking for. He's looking for us to be more than just good Christians. This seems to go beyond what religion is often telling us. But to Jesus, there is more. There is more. More, as we can see in the sermon title, God wants more than just good Christians. Some might be surprised by that statement. Some might even be a little more surprised at what I said at the very end of last week which is one of the greater problems in the church today is that it is full of good Christians. What? Well, I hope today to help you understand what I mean by that. And not just today, but really a two-parter as next week follows with this. And probably the best way to begin to answer that what, that what are you talking about, that one of the greater problems is churches full of good Christians, is for me to explain what I mean when I say good Christians. What I mean when I say being a good Christian is not someone who is just settling for what's the least that they can do. That's not a good Christian. And yet, there are good Christians that really do not strive, do not drive, so to speak, to strive at all times for what's the most that they can do. Good Christians are not living for the least, but they're not living for the most. They're not striving... uh, other than just to be good Christians and to do what churchianity tells us good Christians do. But there is more that God wants. A good Christian may even agree with that and say, yeah, I just need to be a better Christian. And usually when somebody says they want to be a better Christian, it really means I want to be better than most of the others that I know around me. Really? I mean, let's be real about it. It's just about being a little better than those around me. That's how we know that we're better is because we look at those that we know and we're around us. We have little determination to reach out for the best because our motivation is just to be good enough. And that's okay. But is it? Is it okay? 
Because just good Christians end up being like what we see in some of the commercials, like this one. Do you ever work with Dr. Francis? Oh, yeah. He's okay. Just okay? Guess who just got reinstated? Well, not officially. Nervous? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. I'll see you in there. Just okay is not okay, especially when it comes to your network. AT&T. Think about that. Just okay is not okay. God wants more than that. And yet, when I'm saying the problem is he wants more than good Christians who think it's just okay. Not, uh, not I'm being bad or least uh, I'm just... Right. Okay is not okay. And yet we can feel good about ourselves as Christians because we feel like we've basically got it all together. For the most part, we're okay with God. We're okay with what we're supposed to do as Christians. We're, you know, right. We're, we're okay with right where we're at. It's a good place where we're at. We're okay with it. Now, of course, that determination comes because we're comparing ourselves to others. When the reality is that we need to compare ourselves to Jesus. You see, it's a whole lot easier to live like a good Christian than it is to live like Jesus. There should be an amen there. You know, I don't know we do that, but, you know, that's one of those things. Hey, amen, there'd be an amen. Jesus has set the bar higher. In fact, he is the bar. He is the goal. And somebody says, yeah, yes, pastor, but... But how far, how far do we really have to go as Christians? I mean, really? Be like Jesus? I mean, he gave up his life. And the answer to that is on the screen. I don't have to answer that. How far do we really have to go? Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, actually in all the Gospels, but he says in Luke 9 here, Then he said to them, all, all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And just so there's no misunderstanding, when Jesus said in that day to take up your cross, it wasn't about, oh, we all have burdens to bear. No, there's nothing like that. Nobody was thinking about some little burden, some little thing. They were, you take up your cross to go and die. Jesus is calling us to more. To more than just making some one-time decision through some one-time prayer. He is looking for devoted disciples. Devoted disciples that would live their life that is all out. And all in surrender to following him in every footstep. But unfortunately, the generally accepted definition of a good Christian today does not say that. Jesus is calling us to so much more. And we can see that kind of lifestyle that he's calling us to even back here in Second Chronicles chapter 29 that went beyond just trying to be okay, went beyond just trying to, to be good. Let's focus on that in this first part as we think through this. The first thing 
that God wants devoted disciples that will live all out for him. Hezekiah was that kind of follower after God. He didn't just settle for being an okay king. He he didn't follow in his immediate father's footsteps and all the bad things. But he didn't say, you know what? I don't really have to do much to look good compared to my dad. It is like, what am I going to settle for? He didn't settle. Hezekiah did not settle with the decision. I'm just not going to be a a bad king. Uh, He knew God wanted more than that. In fact, he set his goal to be better. Not just better than what his dad was. He set his goal to be the best. His decision was not to be a good king. His decision was to be a great king with God. What are we setting our sights on? To be great or just okay with God? You know, what are we really working at? What are we doing? What are we just kind of seeing as acceptable and we just don't see anything else? Like this is just foreign to us. Kind of like this guy. Hey, hey, how you doing? Uh, Phil, are you guys good with breaks? We're okay. Just okay? We got a saying here. The brakes don't stop it, something will. That's not a real saying. It is around here. I wrote it. Just okay is not okay. You know what? That's the way it is around here. You know, we need to decide around here that just okay is not okay, that we don't just make up phrases and we just don't do the churchianity thing that says, hey, hey, we're a church, of, we're a church of, we're good Christians here. You know what? God wants more than that. He wants devoted disciples that will live all out for Him. We look at verses six and seven here in our passage. Go back to Second uh, Chronicles chapter twenty-nine, and in verse. Six, our fathers were unfaithful. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord our God. They forsook him. They turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place and turned their backs on him. And they also shut the doors of the portico and put out the lamps. They did not burn incense or present any burnt offerings at the sanctuary to the God of Israel. It had been that way for a long time. It wasn't something they just did. It's something that had been that way for a long time. They had lived with this. They had lived with this sin. They had lived without truly seeking all out God. And they experienced the consequences of that that it talks about in verses 8 and 9 as the anger of the Lord had fallen upon Judah and Jerusalem. Dread, horror. There was those who were killed by the sword, those who were in captivity, and so much more. They knew better. But nobody did anything. Nobody said anything. They knew what needed to be done, but it wasn't until Hezekiah ordered that it be done that it happened. In verse 15, when they had assembled their brothers and consecrated themselves, they went in to purify the temple of the Lord as the king had ordered, following the word of the Lord. It wasn't until Hezekiah stepped and said, this is what we're going to do. This is what's going to happen. He made a decision to live all out in a devotion to God. That's really what verse 10 is about here in our passage. 
Hezekiah says this in verse 10. Now I intend to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that his fierce anger will turn away from us. He made that decision. He was ready for so much more. He went all out. This wasn't... This was his intent from the very beginning. I have made this decision to live all out. Verse 10, I have... I intend to make a covenant with the Lord. This is not something like later on after he's kind of you know, seeing how things go and what's going on, maybe this and that, that somehow later he, he decides that we should do later in life. No, from the very beginning. In fact, look at the very beginning. In verse 1 of chapter 29 here in Second Chronicles, Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name is Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David, which is really a kind of like a grand-grand-grandfather, David had done. Hezekiah, as soon as he came to the crown, made the decision to do this. It says he was 25 years old, which, by the way, should show what a sold-out young adult who is a devoted disciple can actually do and accomplish for God. Now, because Hezekiah was this young adult, especially with the father he had, he may not have had much opportunity before this to put any of this into practice. But he had thought it through. He knew what was right. He knew that it was something more. And when he got his opportunity, he took it. He decides in his heart, this is what he's going to do. And he went for it. All out. With no thought about what's the least that we need to do to get by here. With no thought like, well, let's just do some good things and do some good and get things really going good here in our our country. No. All out. Get it all done. All that should be happening. What, not is the least, but what is the most possibly that I can do for God, that we can do for God, and let's do it. Let's get her done. And live an all-out, fully devoted disciple life. Hezekiah declared, as we see in verse 5, This stops now. Listen to me, Levites. Consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the temple of the Lord. The God of your fathers. Remove all defilement from the sanctuary. Listen to me. Whatever was is past. The past stops now. It is time for a fresh start. This is a new day and a time that we will move forward with God. As he says in verse 11 to them, My sons, do not be negligent now. Calling them to all out. Don't be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before Him and serve Him. You. Do it. He got the people to go all out. 
Not just getting their house in order and stopping there, but to get go all out and all that God wanted. And so the priests in the first part of Second Chronicles 29 not only cleaned up their lives, they cleaned up the temple, they got everything ready to move forward for God, but to some that would be good enough. It's like, you know what, things were a mess in the past, okay, we cleaned up the past. That wasn't enough to just kind of clean up the past and make everything good and everything back to the way it should be and everything's okay now. Because Hezekiah wasn't looking to get everything back to being okay, but for so much more, pressing on for more to live all out for God and with God. And there was so much more. We are not finished. You know, you cleaned out the temple, you got all that stuff, you put things back in. That's all good, but it's not good enough. There is more. We're not finished. We are just getting started, people. In verse 18 of the passage, Then they went into the king Hezekiah and reported, We've purified the entire temple of the Lord, the altar of the burnt offering with the utensils, the table, setting. We have prepared and consecrated all the articles King Ahaz removed, the faithless. They're all in front. And for some, the story just ends there. For some people in their lives, like, oh, we, we did what we're supposed to do. Early the next morning, King Hezekiah gathered the city officials together, went up to the temple of the Lord, and they started sacrificing. They started seeking God's face. They started all out. This is, this, this is just the beginning of what's going to happen to move forward, to do all that we can with and for God. There are those whose idea of getting their spiritual house in order, kind of like what's happening here in Second Chronicles 29. Here, There are those whose idea of getting their spiritual house in order is just to be good enough. Our goal is to make our spiritual house livable for God, to make it okay for God. And, and, and they would even say, I, I don't know why what I would need to go all out for God. After all, God's okay with me. Just okay? I mean, God's grace is great. Don't misunderstand. I'm not saying. God's grace is great. But our goal is to be okay with the King and Lord who loves us with an everlasting love and sacrificed all for us. Our goal is to just kind of be okay because God's going to be okay with us. That it's okay to just do what's necessary, what needs to be done, so that I can feel good that God is okay with me. We need so much more. God wants so much more than just that. And we're settling for what falls short of an all-out devoted disciple kind of life. Just okay is not okay. I don't know what just happened there, guys. There we go. Just okay is not okay. Uh, here we go. Now we're there. Colossians 3. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you received the inheritance as a reward you were serving the Lord Christ. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. 
Serve wholeheartedly as if you're serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do. Can we at least recognize that there is more? And then make the decision to go for more, go all out. There is more. If we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, can we say, yeah, there's more. There is more. Or are we just satisfied with loving God good enough? Better than others that I know in this church. Living better, doing this better than I was before. Are we living with a commitment, all-out commitment, that doesn't settle for less than the best of what we can give to God? Not because we're afraid He's going to bop us on the head or keep us out of heaven, but because we love Him, because that's what He's calling us to. And here's the ironic thing that I see in some good Christians. When they hear messages like this, when they're challenged, and they begin to recognize that, you know what? I'm not all out, Uh, including the way I'm serving God right now and the ministry I'm helping out with or what I'm doing. I'm really just not not doing this in an all-out kind of way. And so their solution, instead of stepping it up, is to step down, to step away. That way they don't have to feel guilty about not going all out. Instead, they're just all done. But is that really the answer? For us to lower the bar so that we don't have to jump as high anymore? By quitting, we may feel better. And it may make us look good. But it doesn't move us closer to being devoted disciples that deny ourselves, that take up our cross and follow Jesus. No, but but, but it's hard. It's hard, somebody says. Well, first off, it's not at, as hard if we really recognize the Holy Spirit and how He wants to help us and give us strength to do this. We'll talk about that a few weeks from now, a couple weeks from now. But really, who said denying ourselves and taking up our cross was supposed to be easy. Yet all too often, good Christians can end up settling for just a nice walk with God. It sounds spiritual. And yet we've not been called to a nice, comfortable, safe walk with God. Rather, we've been called to an all-out run. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? So run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Somehow we've made this radical race with Jesus optional. It's kind of like that extra add-on if you really want to kind of thing just as long as we say the special prayer and try to be a good christian 
we've made the running this race optional because you know what it's just not that easy downhill paved kind of road we thought it was we've made this race optional because it really it's a narrow hard uphill path we've made running all out to be optional because we've made the finish line of what being a Christian is about to just getting our ticket to heaven. But if getting our ticket to heaven is the finish line, then why are we still here? We've got our ticket. We should just... There's a reason we're still here. There is a reason. And in all our sharing of the good news, so many times we have focused just on getting people to step across the line to make a decision. So much so that we have not shared the full gospel. Such is the reality that our salvation is not the finish line. So that we don't just end up stopping at the starting line. There is more that God wants for us. Are we running? the race or are we just out for a nice walk are we running after god's best or are we just coasting into the good spot that we really don't evaluate but we often assume is good like like long ago at track practice and this was really long ago long long ago and many pounds ago you go to track practice and you're like worn out not probably necessarily from the practice. You were worn out before you ever got there. You stayed up too late or whatever. All right. You really feel like not running. You don't really want to run. But there's no way the coach is going to put up with that, right? You can't not run. But what you can do is this. You know, hey, it looks like I'm running. You know, you're moving. It looks like I'm running. You know, when the reality is I can walk faster than that. Okay, but you know, it looks good. I look like I'm running. Hey, coach. What are we trying to do? Once we were forging a trail with fire in our soul and now we become settlers. Once... We desire to abandon all and follow whatever and wherever he leads us. No questions asked. And now, is it up for discussion? How much of this is really necessary? God is calling us to more than just being a good Christian jog. But to press on in an all-out devoted disciple, run. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 and 14. Listen to the great apostle Paul as he says this. And, and he was far from some good Christian. He says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press on all out. Now, please. Keep in mind that a 
a good Christian is good. I'm not saying it's bad. A good Christian is good. It's not a bad thing. And yet too often a good Christian just settles for the Goldilocks type of living. You know what I'm talking about. I may have said it before. Or you're seeking to live a Christian life that is not too hard or too soft. That you're settling in for that way that is not too hot or too cold. But just right. Okay. Good. Good enough. Although Jesus had a thing or two to say about that. Kind of living in Revelation chapter 3. These are the words, the amen, the faithful and true. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 and on. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now to be fair, most good Christians do not see themselves as warm. Not the way they would describe their life. I'm not this. I'm better than that. I'm better than lukewarm. But often the truth is we're not hot, but I'm not lukewarm. You know what we are? We are warmer. You know, kind of like in hide and seek. Or whatever you, you I say, you're getting warmer. You're getting warmer. Well, that's a good thing. See, I'm getting warmer. And we just settle for that consistently living in this place that is good. I'm getting warmer, but it's not hot. When will we stop thinking we're good just because of what we're not? The question is, are we truly living all out on fire for Jesus? And somebody says, well, uh, I think so. Uh, yeah, I, 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 think I'm, I think I'm living, I think I'm on fire for, for God. Listen, if you're on fire, you know so. There's no hesitation of saying, I, I think I'm on fire. I think I'm, I'm more than warmer. I'm, I think, no, you would know. We know whether we are on fire or not. For God. And whether we thought about it or not, the reality is with all that, we have just become okay. And we can make various excuses for this. Uh, the one I like, uh, uh, only because it, it, I, I could possibly use this, is uh, this use. Well, you know, I'm older now. I can't really be as on fire as I was when I was young, you know, when it was in other days. You know, I'm just not as young as I used to be. Really? In light of what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3 about not hot or cold, but lukewarm, in light of that, you're saying it's because what? 
Because you've gotten older or because you've gotten colder? Which one? Because there is no age limit on commitment to all out living. There is not. In fact, one of the examples I thought of in the Bible is Caleb. If you don't know who that is, I encourage you to look him up. A man ready to go into the promised land and nobody else was ready. And then later on when they finally were able to and go and he was an old man that it says he was just as passionate, just as strong, just as zealous for the Lord as he was when he was young. This is what the word of God challenges us, us to. To never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Not selling to be just an okay, good Christian. Now, as a before, I guess, kind of wrap this up, there's, there's a caveat, there's a, a distinction I want to make sure is clear about something that, that we've talked about in the past that that may sound similar and contradictory, but they're two different things. There is a sense where it's okay to not be okay. As in right now, how you're feeling in this moment. I'm, I'm not okay, or I'm okay. Physically, emotionally, mentally. I mean, sometimes people ask me how I'm doing. I mean, that's kind of the polite thing. I don't know if they're actually listening or not you know it's i think they are people say i'm praying for you pastor uh but somebody asked you know how how i'm doing and sometimes i say okay because i am okay i'm not bad it's not great i'm okay let's just real with what's whatever it might be i'm okay it actually, in some respects, can be a positive statement. We're talking about us and how we're feeling, where we're going, what's happening. But there are times when that okay just goes on and on and on and never changes. And it just becomes an ongoing negative statement. When we settle for being just okay, as that's as good as it gets. You know what? This is the best that God's going to do. So I just got to be okay because this is the best that God... I mean, if we really think about that statement, this is the best God's going to do, so I'm just going to be okay with it? I think we should rejoice in the best that God's going to do. Or is it that that's not the best that God's going to do? We can end up missing out on what God is trying to do on us, in us, uh, because we just settle for that okay. It's okay to be okay, but not to settle for that. And let's even say, think about it physically. It may be that physically there is nothing that's going to change outside of a major healing. That may happen, that may not happen. Paul would be an example of that. At least that's what I believe what he was going through in Second Corinthians Corinthian chapter 12. He prayed three times, he said. That God would take it away. That God would deal with the problem. And God answered him. But he answered him by not taking away what the problem was, but by giving him something. 
by giving him his power, his strength. Second Chronicles, Second Corinthians, chapter twelve. We read in verse eight. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties. He says he delights. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He didn't settle. Maybe when it first happens, yeah, it's okay, yeah, I'm okay. But he didn't settle for that because he recognized that God, while he didn't take it away, he gave. And there are also times in the moment when, depending on what we're going through, we really are not even okay. And that's okay. To be not okay at times, it's, if that's okay if you're being real about where you're really at. But even in that, recognize we should not settle for a life that is forever not okay. Jesus came. Not just to give us eternal life, but abundant life. Which often has less to do with the problems on the outside of us as it does with what He does in giving us power on the inside. To make a way beyond just okay or even not okay. And if we're honest, we are all broken people. And while that's okay and while that's reality, it's not okay to just stay there to stay that way and ignore the wholeness that Jesus, the whole healer, wants to do in you. It may not happen in a moment, but to recognize we're moving towards that. It's not okay to settle for a life in bondage when He has come to set us free, to redeem us, to restore us, to renew us. Know that God wants to do greater things in us despite our problems, in spite of them. For He is able... As Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21 says, He is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything we could ever ask or imagine. Not just what we've asked for, but... Man, I was really... It would be great if it just... It's kind of just a... It is a crazy dream. It is a crazy thing. If God could just do this. Well, guess what? He may, but he can also do beyond what you just dreamed was crazy. He can do more in our life. God's plan for us is so much more, so much greater than just a good Christian life. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, uh, read this, John 10, verse 10, in the second part of that verse, Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and might have life that's just okay. Oh, wait a minute. Let me, that, let me read another version. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have a life that's good enough. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. They might have it abundantly. There is so much more that we need to go all out after Him to get all that He has for us and especially to get all of Him. Let's not settle for a religion or some good Christian churchianity. 
But let us respond to the call of Jesus to every person, everyone. Not something for special Christians. It's for everyone. A call to each and every one of us to come and follow Him as a devoted disciple that lives all out. I ask the worship team to come as we sing this song in closing. I encourage you. You say, you know, I, I, I need to make that decision. I need to start that commitment. I need to drive the stake in the ground today. You come, you come up here to uh, uh, kneel before the altar, so to speak. If you can't do that, to come on up and and on the front uh, row here, just to sit, to set yourself aside and apart from God, and to come before Him and just say, listen, I'm done being a good Christian. I'm ready. I got to get all out. And it may be for some of you, you can remember a time. Man, I remember I was really on fire for God. I remember when I was really all out. I remember. Jesus remembers that in you as well. And He knows not just that there is more, but you are capable of so much more. Let Him work in you. Father, help us in this moment. Move in and through us. To not just hear and walk away. To not just hear and be somehow discouraged that we can't because we can't. It is only through You, Holy Spirit, come and power enable us. Call us beyond religion, beyond churchianity, to an all-out devoted disciple life with you. Revive us again, O Lord. In your name we pray.